0: This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Uh, this morning I'd like to speak about Lazarus and I'd like to, I am not going to read all, all the, the whole chapter in one shot but uh, I'll, I'll read a few verses and, uh, and speak about a few verses and it's in Ch- John chapter 11. Wow, it's already there. Well done, thank you. <laughs> and if, if I was to give a title to this, this uh, message that I feel God's really laid on my heart, it would be this. If Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, what could he do for me? And I just if you want to just think about that, if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, what could he do for me? So we we'll read, look at verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So we have a, a trio here a little family home, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. we met them before, we met them in Luke chapter uh, 10. Mary was the sister who loved to listen at Jesus' feet. Martha was the one who was busy doing all the serving. <coughs> but here, Lazarus, <coughs> their brother, is ill. No family is consistently perfect, are they? There's always something. Can I have my glass of water, please? I want to thank Richard for leading. He led so well, I sang so hard. My voice is almost gone. Each of us, from the smallest household to the largest church, has people who are like Martha, Mary and Lazarus. People who serve, people who listen and some who are ill. They keep showing up in the New Testament and they keep showing up in our churches and in our families. So in verse 3, so the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. This is the way most of us speak to Jesus. We tell him, really, what he already knows. He knows we're not well. He knows we have a problem. He knows we have a difficulty. He knows our situation. The Lord knows really all about us. But Mary here and Martha send this messenger to Jesus. And the Lord knows all about the situation anyway. In verse 6 it says, After having heard that Lazarus was ill, Jesus stayed two days longer in the same place where he was. He was about a day's journey, they reckon, from where he actually from where Mary, Martha and Lazarus were, from their home in Bethany. (coughs) Delay, delay, delay. Story of our lives, maybe. (laughs) The story of my life sometimes. Why doesn't Jesus just drop in? Why doesn't he just drop everything and and, and come along? Why doesn't he just drop everything and come to my situation? (coughs) And come to my need. Why doesn't he just drop everything and rush to Lazarus? (laughs) Lazarus. (laughs) He actually is not our genie in a bottle that we can summon up at any time when we want him to fix a problem. He comes in his time and when it suits him and nothing else. Verse 7 says, And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you're going back. Now, um, this little town of Bethany, it says there further on in verse 18, was was only a couple of miles, or it wasn't even quite a couple of miles away from from Jerusalem so they probably if there wasn't anything the way they could have seen it it's probably something like St. Samson's to town or maybe not even quite that far so they were pretty close to Jerusalem and that's where they wanted to stone him and you notice this that Jesus didn't say well you go back to Judea and I'll stay here because I, I, I'll stay secretly I'll hide and, and I, I'll, I'll keep out of the way but you can go back no, he, he didn't say that. <clears throat> and he said, let us go. Have you noticed that Christ never brings us, his people, into anything that he won't accompany us in? He is with us even when we walk. Sadly, we've had a, a sad situation this week with one of our families, and, but he'll even walk through that shadow of time when it when times are difficult i actually think the disciples feared probably for their own safety as much as they did for jesus they had a, a, a secret fear of suffering themselves it's called self-preservation <clears throat> they were enjoying this time they were having with jesus seeing miracles taking place seeing him heal the sick and, 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 and do all sorts of things and, and hearing his teaching and they were with him 24-7. They weren't fishing anymore or gathering taxes. They were there with him and, and they were just enjoying this time. Why should they want to go back to near Jerusalem where, they, where he could have lost his life? They didn't want anything to disturb this good time they were having. If they went back there, what might happen? Verse 11 says, And after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now I notice two things, a couple of things here that interest uh, me. First of all, Jesus calls him friend, our friend Lazarus. And he calls us friend as well. He he just looks on us as as a friend. And the other thing that um, sort of intrigued me was that um, the death of a Christian, the death of a believer is called sleep. I noticed also the Greeks called their burying places dormitories, which I thought was quite (laughs) amazing. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, you have been here. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. She knew that if He'd been there. He could have done something. But now, it's seemingly too late. To me, in a sense, but I can identify her because I probably would have thought the same thing. She had limited faith. I wonder if we're like that. Yes, we have faith. And, and she had faith that if he'd been around at that time, before he died, that he, Lazarus would have been healed. Lord, if you'd been here when? Lord, if you'd been here when I went through that sticky patch. Lord, if you'd been here when I was really sad and depressed. Lord, if you'd been here when my back was really up against a a hard wall. Lord, if you'd been here, when? But now the situation has gone too far. As far as she was concerned, he'd not timed it well. And now he might as well have maybe stayed away, not come at all, has not come too late. And as for any help, well, she can scarcely think about it she limits here his power is that something that we do do we limit his power Lazarus had no future, Mary and Martha had no hope dead is dead Jesus could have healed Lazarus but didn't therefore had Jesus failed to meet the need of a friend who loved him each of us has or will know of, of the grief of Mary and Martha each of us have probably experienced that experience in our family lives uh, as, as we've gone through life's journey we've maybe had dreams as well we've maybe had expectations and, and somehow that hasn't worked out Jesus could have, have, have saved but he didn't. A need Jesus could have met, but he didn't. A work Jesus could have rescued, but he didn't. A problem he could have solved, but he didn't. We say to ourselves, I wouldn't be in this place now if Jesus, hadn't res- if Jesus had responded more quickly. We, we surmise what might have been and then after that, It ends up us living in regrets. We regret situations. But then she seems to have what we call nowadays a light bulb moment. For in the next verse, verse 22, it says, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now it seems her faith grows stronger. She believes in Christ's power, that Though her brother's sickness was very grievous he could have cured it and so have prevented his death. Martha seems to believe that his prayer that at his prayer God could have done anything. He would not have her know that by his words he could work anything. He tells in verse 25 that he is the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in him will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in him will never die. And he said in in chapter six uh, that he is the resurrection sorry, that my father is (laughs) Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Martha believed in a resurrection at the last day. Jesus tells her that he had power lodged in his hand that day. Verse twenty seven says, Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God, the one who is coming into this world. She had a revelation and knowledge of who Jesus is. Peter had the same revelation as it's recorded in Matthew, that uh, when Jesus said, and who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And we need that same revelation today. We need that same revelation that Jesus is living today, that he is in our lives. Notice that these people have been with Jesus for some time. Maybe we've been walking with Jesus for some time. But we still need that fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Especially in times of crisis. But even in our ordinary day lives. When she inferred And what what she inferred and what she alleged, alleged is that if she admits that Jesus is the Christ, there is no difficulty in believing then that he is the resurrection and the life. For it is he who is Christ. We may therefore depend upon his ability and upon his truthfulness. How shall bodies that are turned to dust live again? How shall people clogged and cluttered with life's business come back and live forever. And if we acknowledge Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, why can't we trust him to see us through that problem, that difficulty? After she had said this in verse 28, she said, she went back and called her sister Mary. Mary. And she said, the teacher is here and is asking for you. Do we know somebody that's going through a tough time? Have we gone back and introduced them to Jesus? Have we taken them to Jesus? Can we bring them to him? Just like Mary, he's asking for us to come to him and take people to him. Verse 29 says, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. She didn't bother, and it says in another verse there that there was people around in the house um, sitting with her as she was mourning. But she didn't bother about them. She didn't bother to say anything to them. She just up and went. She didn't bother that they were just just there trying to comfort her. Friends, neighbours, it doesn't even say she politely excused herself. She just left them and went to Jesus. And verse 32 says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She fell at his feet. We too, in times of sorrow and difficulty, should come to Jesus and come to his feet. If we ever go in front of royalty were expected fellows to bow ladies to curtsy and even in some situations to kneel and in those days when princes and monarchs um, when, when you came in front of them you, you, you knelt before them and that was the way things were done so in front of her neighbours and friends she is not ashamed to confess him as lord and master and fall at his feet if ever we come... Sorry. This causes me to ask myself, am I ever ashamed to confess my allegiance to Jesus? I noticed that both the sisters put the same argument to him as well and in fact charged him with the death of their brother. This repeated challenge he could have resented. He might have told them, well, I had something else to do at that time. But um, I'm not just at your beck and call. Or he he could only come when his work allowed him to. But he didn't say anything of this. He thought about their circumstances and let them have their say. And therefore, then he overlooked their line of reasoning. He gave us an example of mildness and meekness in such a situation. Verse 33 says that when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. It's comforting to know that when we're in a difficult situation, he is there, and he understands, and he knows, and he will comfort us. It says also that he is deeply moved, and he's deeply moved in our circumstances and in our situations. In in verse 3 it says, the one whom you love is ill. And in, in verses 35 and 36, we find verse 35, we have the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And verse 36 then, and then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus is moved by their sorrow and pain as he is with our. Sorrow and pain and difficulty. This just proved to me that he, it just gave me the proof of his humanity. Verse 37 says, But some of them said, Could not he open the eyes of the blind man and kept this man from dying? Have you ever noticed that there were always those who were cynical of the Christian faith and the Christian life, its claims, or those who look on the black side of things. There are always those around who belittle us as Christians and our faith. If his church, who he loves, is persecuted and afflicted, it's not because there is any defect, either in his power or his love, but it is because he sees it for the best. So we now find that Jesus has got as far as the tomb. And in verse 38, he said, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the stone away, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he's been there four days. In life or death, there is no problem that is greater than the Lord Jesus can fix. Now, somebody may say to me, Nigel, you don't know how big my problem is. All I can say to you is, you don't know how big my God is. Now, let me ask a question. Would a miracle help your situation today? I mean, whatever your circumstances are, would a miracle help? What if the truth was known... Probably most of us in this room today need a miracle or will need one in a, in a short space of time. And if not today, as I said, sooner or later. It might be physical, it might be spiritual, it might be financial, it might be social, whatever. But the situation needs or will need to change. I'm here today to tell you that Jesus is still in the miracle working, business. Amen? Yeah, i God you're still there. <laughs> he said, but is, is a miracle possible? I think what Jesus said in Mark, he said, with God all things are possible. What did Martha say to Jesus in verse 22? We read before, but I know that even now God will give you whatever You ask. We need to develop that kind of faith. I need to develop that kind of faith. And we all do, I'm sure. Now, if there was ever an individual who needed a miracle, it was Lazarus. He was dead. And you know what his problem was. There's a phrase we use sometimes. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. Now in a spiritual sense, Lazarus is a picture of every person outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. There is such a thing as living corpses. This island is full of them, living corpses. They are people like Lazarus who have ears but cannot hear, have eyes but cannot see, and unless they are touched by Jesus, they will continue to have an existence without having life. Dead people like this need a miracle. So what is he saying in verse 39? He says, take away the stone. Immediately, there's an objection from the very one who said, but I know that even now God will do, give you whatever you ask. Have you ever found that the minute we start moving out in faith, there's some bright spark that puts (laughs) their foot in it and they kind of stop us? If you're like me, probably even you can see that if somebody is moving out in faith, you can see every reason why that shouldn't happen that miracle won't happen. That sickness won't get healed. That partner, or that son, or that daughter, that relation, that friend, that work colleague, can't ever see them coming to know the Lord. It's just not possible. Might be a stone there in the way. Stone of prejudice. We can say never happened like this before. This will break the norm. What stone have we rolled in front of that issue that we have? Are we afraid to see the stone roll away? Will it release a bad smell? That stone could expose our lack of faith. That smell that tells us that we are not that super Christian everybody thinks we are. That stone, when rolled away, will reveal the real us, the us we never let anybody see. We need to roll that stone away. Why? Because it it's in preparation for a miracle. It's in preparation for blessing. It's in preparation for answer. It can be a heavy stone and it may need a lot of effort to move. We may, may not be able to roll the stone away by ourselves. We may need help. We may need prayer help. We may need to get down with people and, uh, and, and pray that stone away. We may need to, to pray and fast and seek God in order that that stone will move. But that stone will move. We may need others to help us, to shift it, to put their weight on that stone, to move it. I find the verse, in the Old Authorised Version, quite meaningful, because Martha says, Lord, he stinketh. Sometimes in order to see a miracle, matters become foul and messy. Miracles do not always happen when all is sterile and clean and smelling like our favourite room deodorizer. Some people get their hands dirty. They go amongst drug addicts. They go <coughs> amongst the down and outs of this world. And, and, and it's not pleasant, but they are tremendous people who are winning men and women for God. Where things stink are exactly where miracles occur. Where God can change those back to the wall situations. Martha here mentions four days. That kind of fascinated me. I read somewhere where the Jews at that time believed that the, the soul of a person when died hovered around for three days. And that was quite significant to me and that is why Christ I believe rose the third day because it said that his he will not see corruption. I just wondered if Jesus wanted to make sure that Lazarus was good and dead before performing this mightiest miracle of signs so that there would be no confusion that this resurrection was resurrection and not resuscitation. This situation was, which Lazarus would therefore particularly speak to the Jews, saying that Jesus is king over life and over death. He is Lord over all. No one had ever been raised to life before after they had begun to see corruption. Verse 40 says, And Jesus said, Did I I not tell you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? we notice that the end of this would be glory. And that's what Jesus kept in view. And that's what he always keeps in view. Whatever he does, it's for his glory. He performs the miraculous for his glory. He answers that prayer for his glory. All we have to do is believe. If we want to see the glory of God, we must let Christ take his own way about, about doing things and not dictate how he should do the things, but submit to his way. So they took away the stone. This was all they could do because Christ is the only one that can give life. What we have to do is prepare the way for the Lord to perform the miracle. Verse 43 says when he had when he had said this Jesus called in a loud voice Lazarus come out the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen strips of linen and a cloth around his face maybe there's something that has bound us in a tomb what is it that keeps us from being the person that we want to be And that God wants us to be. Fear, grief, isolation from other people, cocooning ourselves in our home with our TVs and our computers, not wishing to go out. I think Jesus wants to call us out of the tomb and unbind us and set us free to be fully alive. When we get used to being in a tomb, It becomes our comfort zone and we don't even realize it. It becomes a place of death and stagnation, but nothing will remain dead when Jesus shows up. He takes a risk. It takes a risk to answer the call of Jesus to come out and hear him say, Unbind him or her, and let them go. He wants us to be free, unshackled. Unshackled from burdens, Galatians 5 verse 1 says, For freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What has bound us that we believe is seemingly gone on forever, which paralyzes us getting on with our lives? Is hope buried away in that tomb? The positive attitude we used to have the faith that used to be so clear and vibrant is our willingness or our ability to love sealed away in that tomb and in those grave clothes because of past hurts or disappointments what would happen I wonder if we let Jesus unseal that tomb and loose us from those strips of linen is our instinct when I say that, is that instinct immediately to slam that stone back up again against that opening and not take that risk or maybe we've come out of the tomb but we're still tangled in these cloths these burial cloths we still have the sheets and coverings of death all over us, we're still bound up in something bound up in old bondages old arguments, old sin we know we're living a new life but we seem somehow to still be in bondage to the old life on another day when another stone was rolled away from another tomb the friends of Jesus faced this question you can, you can imagine Peter he could have said my goodness what now Peter could have thought, part of me thinks of this, this is great. And yet, I denied him. I ran away like a scared rabbit when I was in trouble. I was afraid to show my face when they nailed him to the cross because they might do the same to me. Am I willing to give my hopes up again and, ha- and, and having them dashed? Am I willing to love as deeply as experiencing the pain of such devastating loss. Where do I go from here now that the tomb is no longer the last word? You can imagine saying some of this. Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die take off those grave clothes Jesus says loose him the name Lazarus incidentally means God is my help and John tells us in verse 45 that many of the Jews who were present to console Mary and Martha believed in Jesus that day I come back to the title that I, I said right at the very beginning if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, what could he do for me? I don't know if you have dreams and visions, and yet they seem dashed. You have expectations and hopes, and yet somehow you're not getting through them. You're not realizing them. They're not coming your way. I have dreams. I dreamt years ago, or just a few years ago now, that people were banging on that door because they wanted to come in and find Jesus as their Savior. I have dreams that every seat here and those in the piles on either side will be packed with people coming to know Jesus as their Savior. You have dreams as well, and you have expectations. What's stopping? What's stopping? Let us unbind those things that stop us. And let us push through. Let us push through. Let us get through these things. We maybe need people to to pray with. We need people to help us to get through those situations. But let us push through. And let us see Jesus win victory in those lives. In our lives. In our hearts. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.